Blog Talk Radio. Radio on Blog Talk Radio. I'd like to welcome everybody here tonight, and I want to remind everybody this is a call-in show. We have a call-in number of 213-943-3395, so if you want to get a little mini-reading tonight, please feel free to call in. Uh, I know that there's a chat room also, so if anyone wants to log into the chat room, um, you know, you can do that by going to the um, uh, chat room function on the lower right-hand side of the screen. Um, wanted to start off my show and start off this year by talking about 2012. It's a it's a big year. It is a, a year that people have been talking about for a long time. I think there are actually, from an astrological standpoint, a lot of uh, transits that are going to be happening this year, and um, that means different planets that are going to align in different ways. And uh, I'll try not to uh, get too much into the scientific part of the astrology and try and give you the meat of what it is, uh, the interpretation. That's what you're here for. And um, I do want to say, though, that the show is primarily, as we uh, you know, uh, do it over time, is going to be about you, and it's going to be about your chart, and it's going to be about finding out a little bit more about who you are and what you're going through and how I might be able to help you figure out uh, a way through it, uh, a way to get um, past whatever the obstacles are or a way to uh, sort of change your mindset about your particular challenges. So there's a call-in number and I um, want to encourage people to, uh, you know, give me a call and I'll be happy to do live readings. Uh, when I'm not doing live readings, I'm obviously going to be happy to talk. I would like to have, I think, a theme for each show. My idea really is going to be that we're going to start off talking about uh, 2012, and then we're going to move into talking about the uh, planets in subsequent uh, episodes. So let's start off with uh, 2012. I actually brought up a chart of the United States. I brought up a chart of the like, global community. I brought up a chart of the United States' uh, birth chart, uh, you know, from 1776 and, and how things are still playing out with, with that. Um, 
generally, you know, we don't what we don't want to do is we don't want to focus on negativity. And I think that's a big part of 2012 and the 2012 dilemma is that while it's a time of great change and it's a time when we're all going to be going through um a certain kind of fundamental transformation that we really need. And sometimes that transformation does involve painful processes. But, um, you know, laying it all on fear or laying it all on negativity, while that's sensationally, you know, lovely to do, I don't think that it really, uh, you know, gets us where we want to be. It certainly doesn't produce the end goal that we want, which is to all be uh, leading better lives, happier lives. So if 2012 is really like a gateway, uh, a new beginning, and and uh, a gateway to um, a, a a brighter future, and this is the beginning of it, then we should be focusing on the positivity. And I think that that's very important. I think that if we're um, going to be having this, con- you know, having a conversation about 2012, and I invite anyone to give me a call in too who'd like to talk about 2012. Um, that we want to be able to focus on the positivity because certainly there are plenty of, you know, I think harder, uh, more difficult, we could call them negative, but they're all about growth, um, harder, more difficult, more more negative transits that are going to be happening as a part of the 2012 cycle. And, um, you know, th- this is something that we should address because I think if we can see what those more difficult challenges are, then we have an opportunity to know how we might be able to overcome them. Just wanted to look here about the chat. Great. So, um, good. So 2012, this year it certainly has kicked off to be an interesting year. You know, it's not a... um, it's it's kind of new. We're still in we're still in the first few weeks of it, and and yet there's there's not a um, um, you know a, a lot to report so far, right? 2012, okay, it started, and I think that one of the things we're going to notice about 2012 in general is that it's going to be a very uh, mellow kind of year to start off. And we're going to be like, oh, 2012, what's all the hype about? And um, it's not going to be until the second half of the year where we're really going to see things moving and some of the, uh, the th- some of the events that are concerning people about this year are not really going to begin to manifest until uh, the later half of the year. But in the beginning, what we have is we're going to be starting off just in another week or so is that Mars, which rules initiative and motivation and um, our ability to get the job done, forward motion, Mars is actually going to go uh, retrograde from uh, January the 23rd to April the 13th. It's quite a long time, three months, almost three months. And it's going to be in Virgo, and it does play out in a very specific way, I think, in the United States chart. Um, because uh, that's our our uh, our ninth house, which has to do with foreign relations. 
uh, Mars going retrograde in the, in the United States' ninth house is definitely going to represent tensions with foreign governments, and we have that already. But uh, I think that I think that you will see uh, possibly a um, like what's going to feel like a pullback because Mars retrograde generally creates a pullback. But what it's going to be doing at the same time is it's going to be increasing tension. And um, that's not necessarily going to be in the news, which is why, say, part of the um, the beginning of the year is going to be sort of subtle and people are going to be like, oh, this is, you know, cool, it's easy, um, 2012, we're, we're doing okay, things seem to have calmed down, simmer down. Um, the... Um, the retrograde Mars in Virgo is, I think, for all of us collectively about coming to terms with what we need to do to maintain our lives, maintenance of our lives. There's um, there's a lot of work that we need to do. We all like the creative, playful, fun part of uh, of our lives. And yet I feel like what we lose sight of is a Virgo part of life, a Virgo aspect, which is the maintenance, the routine, what it is that we need to do to, um, you know, keep the creative process that we've engaged in uh, alive. So we love to, to create and be playful, but we don't necessarily like to maintain or clean up the mess. And yet everything that we we put out in the world that we do create needs to be maintained. We certainly know how things uh, squander, um, you know, or um, they, 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 don't, they don't flourish, uh, flounder. They flounder and they don't flourish if, we're, um, <clears throat> if we don't maintain them. So I think there's this important idea with this retrograde uh, Mars coming up that we're going to be asked at the beginning of this year to sort of take an accounting of what is it that we've committed to maintaining. So maybe it's a new business, maybe it's a new home, maybe it's our children, uh, maybe it's our lover, our spouse, uh, maybe it's a friendship. But for instance, if we reach out into the world and we we go to uh, make a friendship. Uh, we'll talk about friends a little bit because actually the sun is going into Aquarius tonight, which is awesome. We're getting a sign change of the sun, and happy birthday to all the Aquarians out there. And um, so Aquarius rules friendship. So we talk about friendship. If you if you initiated the desire to make a friend, let's say you were at an event and you were like, oh, you're awesome. You know, like let's. Let's go have a coffee or whatever. And it's just a friendship thing. There's still the effort and the energy that needs to be put into the excitement and the creativity that, you know, meeting a friend, a new friend um, amounts to. Because I think that um, oftentimes in in our culture and just in natural human behavior, it's as if, the creative process is enough to give uh, itself momentum. And, in fact, it's not. The creative process uh, requires maintenance. If we, if we were very excited about um, starting a business, if we're very excited about starting a new relationship, we really soon discover how much uh, 
work and effort that it takes in order to uh, be able to keep that creative thing from ending, quite frankly. It's almost like saying, I'm very excited to go out and plant new grass seeds in the spring and get my lawn, you know, nice and green and nourished. But if you don't maintain it, if you don't put the right fertilizer, if you don't water it, it soon turns brown and that's the end of your nice green lawn. It's like this with everything. And at the beginning of this year, we're definitely going to be starting out with a reminder of that. We're going to be starting out with the idea that what it is that we need to maintain. So globally, uh, our our 2012 global uh, consciousness, uh, what's awesome about that is that we need to maintain the planet. So we, we definitely are going to get, a, I think, a, a very um, subtle, perhaps not so subtle because it's Mars, uh, reminder of how we need to maintain our environment. And, um, you know, there's there's going to be greater and greater cues in 2012 from Mother Nature about, uh, you know, the way in which we're, we're treating the environment, recycling, in fact, something like that, or, um, you know, reducing emissions and things. This is all about what, we're, what I'm talking about, about um, maintaining and structure and the routine. Like, if you recycle, that's a routine, you know. So there's a lot of excitement about, uh, you know, buying groceries and cooking a new dish and all of that, but you have to make sure that what you're doing with your uh with the with the resources that you're using is that you're recycling them the best that you can and that you can get them into a sustainable environment. It's just one example of the idea that this is going to come even more to the forefront and even more to the forefront at the beginning of this year. Even more we're going to see um a call to action for um, renewable and sustainable resources because we can't obviously continue and whether, like I said, whether it's the earth that puts out um, certain kind of message or whether it's uh, just as we are as individuals and we're recognizing from an economic standpoint that we need to conserve, right? I think many of us have been realizing that from January to April, it's going to become a routine. We're going to be able to review the routine. How are we conserving? How are we saving? How are we maintaining, again, Virgo, the um, the resources that we have and um, Mars, the actions that we've been taking to do that. So that's just one one thing that I see that we're really jumping right into at the beginning of this year in, in the, is the retrograde Mars and the way that it's going to um, affect uh, our forward movement. We're going to find that we will be moving a little bit more slowly because we're going to have a lot of things on the plate that we need to maintain. And if we keep creating and we keep piling things on the plate, then what happens is, is that we don't have time to maintain any of them. That's not good. And so Retrograde Mars's big purpose is to um, bring us back uh, to uh, what it is that we need to maintain in order to be able to make, again, that final goal, right? We all have that goal of happiness, contentment, a sort of source of love and pleasure. And, and if you know anything about any kind of basic psychology, you certainly want to work your way towards feeling fulfilled. 
fulfillment is a really big part of um you know human existence and definitely as we grow older we want to feel fulfilled by our actions well i think we can feel fulfilled when we've maintained the things that we've created we find that we don't feel fulfilled at the end if all we've done is engage in the play and the fun because we don't necessarily remember that we we definitely remember um the uh, the the way in which we created longevity with something so let's enjoy this retrograde mars period it's january the 23rd to april the 13th let's embrace it let's enjoy it let's be a part of remembering that we need to you know hold on to some kind of maintenance in order to be able to make something last um <clears throat> Truly, in other big news for 2012, and there's a lot of them, there's a few things that I want to be able to go through tonight in order to be able to kind of categorize it and, and let people know what it is that I see here. Um, Neptune, planet Neptune, is going to have a sign change. It doesn't have a sign change, but maybe once every 14 years. So it's been a long time since Neptune went into Aquarius, and it is going into Pisces on February the 3rd. Um, this is awesome energy. Pisces uh, actually is ruled by Neptune. Neptune's the ruler of Pisces. And um, uh, planetary energy of, of Neptune is about transcendence and uh, the ability to sublimate our ego. And um, Pisces is the selfless, compassionate, um, empathetic connection that we have with others. So there's nothing that's more uh, capable of transcending our ego, uh, sublimating our ego in in the ideal of Pi in the ideal of Neptune than a Pisces vibe. So of course, for those Pisces out there, you're going to be now enjoying years of Neptune, your ruling planet, in your ruling sign. I think. The big picture here for 2012 globally is what kind of spirituality is going to emerge? What kind of spirituality is going to emerge this year? Uh, it's obviously stemming from New Age. It's stemming from metaphysics. It's not going to be what you would call a traditional new religion. But it is going to be some kind of a spiritual renaissance and a spiritual idea. And the reason for that is because how better... Uh, you know, are we able to reach transcendence, transcending, you know, in order to get, I guess, a little bit more specific on what that actually means, to be able to transcend our specific ego needs, you know, what it is that I need as an individual as opposed to what it is that others might need from me, compassion, you know, caring, empathy, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. That action, those actions, caring about others, charity, generosity, humanitarianism, those actions actually help us transcend our ego. And um, the and spirituality is one is one facet that can bring us to that place. If we realize that that we have a higher purpose if we realize that there's a a higher calling 
that we have as individuals, then we're connecting with the highest form of the Neptune vibe, which is to transcend your own ego. So um, spirituality, spiritual process, God, for lack of a better noun, uh, God, the the you know the Almighty, all-knowing force thing out there, that is. That force is always encouraging us to find a greater state of love and responsibility. It always is, because it itself is a greater state of love and responsibility, responsibility towards the maintenance of life, the maintenance of the universe. It's a huge responsibility. And love, because love is connected to that responsibility. Isn't it interesting how it connects with the retrograde Mars, maintaining, maintaining, um, routine, loving, nurturing what it is that we've created and how Neptune in Pisces is represented by a spiritual connection to a higher truth about transcending our ego and taking care of each other. Um, Pisces also rules, though, uh, escapism. And so I think on somewhat of the, the other side of the coin for... Um, 2012, we may see an increased use in drugs, but we may even see a legalization of some some drugs, um, only because Neptune and Pisces. It's one way also potentially of transcending the ego. Um, certainly, that was the information that came out from the psychedelic era in the 60s. Was that was that those kinds of drugs? you know, uh, encouraged people to see themselves as connected and unified with a greater whole. So there was possibility through through um, escapism of some kind, you know, but drug drug use, really, of, of creating an artificial Neptune and Pisces experience. The problem with that is that it's not lasting. It's not the same as say, like a Neptune and Pisces experience of volunteering or a Neptune and Pisces experience of a prayer or meditation or uh, truly placing yourself in service, even as an energetic being, placing yourself in service to that higher force. Just your um, energy that you can focus on and you can channel to and you can focus on the higher power, the higher force, that's a transcendent experience. But it's not about you. The minute that you sit there and say, you know, like, okay, I'm going to just sit here and contemplate peace and harmony. I'm going to sit here and I am actually going to contemplate um, some kind of... uh, alleviation of world suffering, I'm going to visualize what that's about, then you're transcending your own ego because you're sending those thought forms and that energy back to that higher force. And it knows what to do with it. I'll tell you that. The higher force absolutely knows exactly what to do with those thought forms. So you want to take just a minute, you know, and focus on that. That is a part of 2012. Of course, unless if you want to just go and turn on the TV and smoke a bunch of bong hits, that's another option. But you have a higher calling. You have a higher calling. You have a higher uh, mission from the greater force that says, you know, send energy. 
<laughs> I need it. You know, send send thought forms of of love and wellness and alleviation of suffering because that's what will manifest that. That's what will make that happen. And you certainly all send plenty of thought forms about, you know, suffering and um, increased suffering. And so it's difficult to, you know, maintain and manifest anything else. So uh, it's pretty far out there, but Neptune in Pisces is pretty far out there. If you haven't figured that out, Pisces is a very transcended energy on its own. It's a pure state of connectivity and compassion, difficult even for most people, even Pisces people, to embody that because it's not about the individual ego. It's about being concerned for other people's egos. And Neptune moving in there. Now, remember, it's going to be in there for 14 years, so we have kind of a long haul of Neptune through the sign. But I do think that when a planet changes the sign, we often experience its effects very close to the beginning. So when we're talking about 2012, which is the gateway, it is the beginning, we have to look 2013, 14, 15 at what are going to be the results of this gateway. What is it that we're about to walk into? And if it's a greater state of uh, spiritual consciousness, then then that's going to be an amazing thing for Neptune and Pisces to have delivered to us. Now, the, one of the, um, the really big, really enormous transits, I do want to encourage anybody who might be listening, wants to give me a call live, I'll be happy to talk about your specific thing. We could talk about 2012 if you have a question about that, if you want to know about the astrology of that. If you simply want to um, ask me a personal question about your chart, I'm happy to do that. If you want to join in in the chat room, you can also send me a message there because I can see what's going on there and I will be able to answer your questions live on the air while you're typing your question into the chat into the chat box. So um, call in number is 213-943-3395. The um, the big transit for the entire year, although I guess Neptune in Pisces is a pretty big transit, but the big overriding transit for the year is definitely going to be that the planet Uranus and the planet Pluto are going to finally start actually squaring each other by an exact degree. So a square is a difficult transit. And Uranus is in Aries and Pluto is in Capricorn, and those two signs are square, and that means that they're abrasive to each other at, at some level. And Uranus and Pluto themselves are, I would say, uh, somewhat abrasive. They can be very sudden and um, probably produce some kinds of extremism and things like that. So um, Uranus represents rebellion and Pluto represents transformation. And we have what we're what we're seeing even with Occupy Wall Street, even with the Arab uprising, even with the different changes that we've been seeing going on in Asia or even in the United States, like our own political movement, that you know, Uranus and Aries is representation of the rebellion of the individual, and Pluto and Capricorn is the representation of the hierarchy as it stands. In fact, Capricorn is very patriarchal. And so there's a kind of patriarchal energy that's at clash, that's at odds 
the patriarchal energy can be very destructive because it's embodying a plutonic force, which means it's very strong, it's very capable, it wields a lot of power. And yet, the individual is also very powerful because the individual and the individual movement, the movement for social change is Uranian itself. And um, Uranus is strong because it has a whole lot of tricks up its sleeve. It has a whole lot of ways of, um, you know, making itself seen and known. It has a whole lot of ways of rebelling against that authority um, because it's an individual and it can't be stopped. It can't be put in a box. It's like certain kinds of animals that we never were able to domesticate. Like you would think we were able to domesticate the horse, for instance, but we weren't able to domesticate the zebra. But how come? Why weren't we able to domesticate the zebra? It's a lot like a horse, and we no one was able to ever use the zebra as a farm animal. And we still can't to this day. And the reason is because it can't be tamed. It can't be. It's rebellious and Uranian spirit um, will, you know, live on despite being trying to be captured and contained. As a matter of fact, it would rather sit down and do nothing than um, than be given orders and commands. So I think it's interesting that. There are certain individuals and there are certain movements and there are certain waves of energy that um, are not tameable. It's, 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 it's impossible to um, it's impossible to uh, you know lock them down and bridle them down. So the general energy between Uranus and Pluto is that continued conflict, which I think um, part of the original contact is June and then September, and we do have an election year this year, so we're going to see huge energy, you know, a huge piece of the puzzle of 2012 coming from the Uranus-Pluto square, and um, particularly June and September, and how uh, is there going to be a greater clash between uh, the individual who's rebelling against authority and the authority who would like to continue to maintain the status quo and keep the individual in a box? So that is a decade-long thing, actually, huge. Remember, 2012 is a gateway. <laughs> it's not an end. It's just a beginning, and it's a beginning of a new way. So if there are things we have to maintain, and if there are things that we have to let go of, and if there are things we have to transcend, this is what we've been doing up until now, right, with the retrograde Mars and Neptune and Pisces, all those things, maintaining and finding a new level of spirituality, a new way to transcend our ego, this honoring the individual, and I might say the individual honoring the structure, because there are certain structures in place that can't just simply be thrown out. And this is not particularly in defense of the Capricorn element of, the, you know, the patriarchy and um, the institutions, the global institutions that are creating such oppression. I'm not defending them. I'm just saying that they will have their side of it, 
and the, what they've maintained over the course of you know hundreds of years, possibly thousands, can't all just be thrown out. It can't just be thrown out. We never do that as human beings. We very, very, very rarely just say like, oh, well, whatever system of you know government, system of this institutions. Let's just throw it out. One thing builds on the other. Even the United States government is built off of you know, Greek and Roman and the way in which they ran their their government, some of those ideas and philosophies, they're just expounded on. They're just they're just improved. And that's what we want to be able to do as we go through twenty twelve and the years beyond, is we want to be able to improve beyond um you know where it is uh where it is that we are now presently. We want to be able to move into something really new. So uh, I want to take a minute to let everybody know that uh, this is the Inside Connection Radio and that uh, you can call me live and get a live reading, 213-943-3395. That's the number to call in. Or if you want to join me in the chat room, you can type in and ask me a question in the chat room. I'll be happy to answer it live. So um, the um, moving forward... There's more to discuss about this year, and since it's a general um, a general look at um, you know 2012, let's continue. So we have one little interesting piece um, that's happening kind of in the middle of the Iranian square that I like, and that is that middle of the year, roughly around mid-May to July 4th. That would be if you want the exact dates. It's um, May the 14th to June the 26th, it's about five weeks, Venus is going to go retrograde in Gemini. And in June also, Jupiter is going to go into Gemini and it's going to square Neptune and Pisces. It's very interesting, I think, about communication. Gemini is a communicator and Gemini rules communication. And retrograde Venus is um, going to definitely put us into some very intense discussions. Individually, individually, definitely, like in between relationships, there's going to be intense conversations. But I also think globally, there's going to be an intense kind of conversation, an intense kind of review. Venus energy is often thought of as love-loving but it, it's not just limited to that. Neptune itself is the higher octave of Venus. So Venus has a certain compassionate nature to it. And in the middle of this year, when tensions, I think, are very high, there's going to be a, a, a call for compassionate conversation. I think there's going to be like a global call for it. And I think individually we're we're going to experience that as well because what's going on inside of ourselves, inside of our relationships with others, um, none of that is isolated. None of that is happening like in a vacuum. What's happening to us individually in our relationships is happening globally outside of our relationships. It's just a mirror. And so the retrograde Venus energy and this Jupiter in, in Gemini squaring Neptune and Pisces is very deep, very, very deep because you, you, have, you have Neptune and Pisces, it's fairly new. 
It's going to be at zero degrees because it's going to have gone retrograde and it's going to be back down at zero. It's just going to be mulling its entrance. This is a very strong energy. It's like um, inception energy, the, 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 the real core, the real beginning, and at this, because it's in there for 14 years. And Jupiter, which is only going to be in Gemini for one year, is going right in at the exact same time as Neptune is kind of re-reviewing that zero degrees. And those energies are square. However, we said before that square energy was a little bit abrasive, but when we're talking about Jupiter and Pisces, not necessarily. I mean, yeah, there can be a sort of an overindulgence. Um, maybe, maybe there's going to be like too much small talk and not enough talk on a, on a deep level. Maybe that will be one of the pitfalls. And yet, when there's that much talk, Jupiter and Gemini, then I feel like the possibility for having some kind of a deep connection, Venus retrograde, Venus retrograde, even in Gemini, it's going to force her, it's going to force him, the people that are having the conversation, to review what it is that they've said. Well, it's impossible to review what it is that you've said and continue to maintain a superficial attitude about it. So my feeling is that because Neptune is in Pisces, we're going to see a, a call, a call for a compassionate review of the way in which we're communicating with each other. Remember, that's from mid-May all the way until, say, July 4th. And the peak very much right there at the end of June, last couple of weeks of June, of Jupiter in Gemini squaring Neptune in Pisces. There's this there's this feeling that we're we're going to see the spiritual movement um enlarging itself, the metaphysical movement, because what greater force has there been in the last forty years? Quite frankly, and I could say 40 years, because it was 40 years ago that Uranus and Pluto were conjunct, which means they were at the same spot. And it's taken them 40 years to become square. And in the last 40 years, we've seen nothing if we haven't seen the new understanding about love, connection, unity, manifestation principle energetic connection, outside world being a mirror of the inside world, the basic metaphysical concepts, what goes around comes around, that we're a part of an energetic continuum and that that conversation needs to get larger and that we're going to see it get much larger, especially in May, June. That's when we're really going to see a big takeoff in that because I feel like when Venus goes retrograde in Gemini, there isn't going to be as much room for small talk. There isn't going to be as much room for just superficial chit-chat that, that Venus and Gemini might normally like to have, like the gab. The, the, uh, the, the, the nature of the transit is to slow that down and pull that gab back into something a little bit more serious. Interestingly, it's Venus. So it's not going to be a sort of dour kind of seriousness. It's going to be a serious based on, you know, this is love, Venus. This is love. This is charity. This is the concern that we have for each other. 
now it's time to take a look, you know? It's only funny, right? It's only funny until someone says that's not funny, now you're hurting my feelings, and even though it's funny, 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 ha, 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 love says, okay, we have to pull back from there. We have to pull back from that edge. It's not so funny, you know, that we're either arguing or that, um, you know, I'm winning in this conversation with you, or, or even between governments, really, that, you know, at this point, there aren't going to be a lot of winners the way we're playing, you know. So there has to be some kind of cooperation. There is a huge possibility that at the same time as the Uranian-Pluto square is happening, that the retrograde Venus and the Jupiter-Neptune square are going to encourage an enlightened level of conversation. So I think it's pretty dynamic, and I really like that. Um wanted to say that um, that doing uh, Inside Connection Radio is something that's uh, really uh, a lot of fun for me. I like it. And um, I'm going to be happy to be doing more of these episodes over the next few weeks. We're definitely going to be doing them on uh, Thursday nights, Thursday at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. And I encourage you all to tune in uh, next Thursday is the 26th of January 2012 because we're going to do another episode. We're going to be talking about the sun and the sun as its rulership of life force and essence. And we're going to be talking about how um, that corresponds to sun signs and what sun signs mean. Uh, You know, your sign is your sun sign. And also, though, just the general energy of the sun and how we can bring that more into our lives. How we can connect with our essence and how we can connect with a specific life force. Uh, there's more, as you might imagine, um, for 2012. Um, I want to um, fast forward to uh, December of 2012 and say that at that time, where you know maybe some people are expecting something very specific to happen on a very specific day sometime in december sometime at the end um there's no real indication that anything is going to happen and that it's going to be basically another y2k for us globally because i think people are waiting for and always are waiting for you know the arrival of something to save them something to create the change that's going to be uh, the pivotal moment that's actually going to um, take the responsibility away from them and that maybe that day is coming in December and, you know, maybe, you know, we won't have to live life the way we've been living it because sometimes it's really hard. Uh, Sometimes it's really hard to just, you know, get through it and and deal with, um, you know, the more serious part of it, right? Um, the maintenance and uh, paying the bills and negotiating love with your partner and your children and your family and your friends. Those parts, sometimes I think internally, we just wish, uh, oh my God, could that just be over? Could that just change? Could could someone just come and save me from all that? Could something just come and save me from that? Some apocalypse or some savior or something. And the truth is is that we all keep waiting for that and what we haven't been mature enough really to realize is that that moment is going to happen 
when we save ourselves, when we realize that the responsibility lies on us. So the maintenance and the uh, continuing to take care of what it is that we've created and not taking on more on our plate, we're focusing our creativity on maintenance, right? Like renewable energy. That would be focusing our creativity on creative maintenance and creative maintaining of our resources. Wow, that would be a really novel thing for us to do. And taking it away from. So, yes, there's going to be, you know, some changes in power structure and money structure and uh, social class and and um, redistribution of wealth, and there's going to be a revolutionary consciousness surrounding that. But that's not going to be the end, and it's definitely not going to be um, the all of the beginning. It's just the beginning of the beginning. And when we look from the place where we are, at life, and we see that you know it it seems very limited, it seems very small, and yet two, three, ten, twenty years that 's a very small piece of time, and so these changes are happening over time, and I think that 's important to remember so jumping forward to December of two thousand and twelve um, you're you 're going to have a lot of hype you 're going to have a lot of you know um, Boring Carmageddon, Snowmageddon, um, you know, Drivelmageddon uh, information out there, and it's basically going to go over just like every one of the other things that that we hype up does. It's going to come and go until we find the next thing to hype, and we're actually going to wake up on January of 2013 and discover that there's still a lot of work to do and a lot of relationships to negotiate and a lot of maintaining to do, and it's really all about us coming to terms with that responsibility. That's 2012. But there's one more big transit before I close that I want to definitely talk about, and um, it's that towards the end of 2012, and remember, you know, we're going to be on on Thursday nights now, and... um, so we'll be talking about these transits also as they happen. You know, when it, when when we're doing a show in May, we're definitely going to be talking again about the Venus retrograde period. But uh, since this is an overview, um, I think it's important to mention that Saturn is going to go into Scorpio on uh, October the 5th of 2012. And one positive thing that I can say about it is that it's going to be trying to Neptune, which will be at zero degrees again. So, interestingly, Neptune's going to be at zero degrees in February, June, and October. And um, then it will move forward, and then Neptune will move forward after that, and it won't be at zero degrees again in 2013. It will be moving on to, like, one, two, and three degrees. And we can talk about that in more detail if anyone ever wants to call and ask me about you know, degrees and forward movement or be very specific about astrology, I am happy to get into it with you. Um, But the general theme of Saturn in Scorpio is going to be change, loss, death, um, you know, uh, focus on intimacy and communication. So we talk about intense emotional experiences that people have between each other. And I know you heard me say death in that sentence, but it doesn't only mean like literal death or people are going to die or all of that. That's not what it has to be about, okay? 
Scorpio is always about letting go. What is it that we need to let go of in order to be able to move on to the next level of our personal growth? What is it that we need to let go of? When you know that you need to quit smoking, when you know that you need to go on a diet, when you know that you need to start treating someone differently, when you know that you need to, you know, send out more resumes or ask for a raise or whatever, you know you need to do it. It's in there. It's in the inner voice will not let up on you, no matter how much TV you watch. You know, no matter how much you try to escape from the drive of your inner being, remember that greater force that's out there. It's working through you. It's communicating with you. It's letting you know what you need to let go of. And your free will is what's in charge of saying yes or no. It's really that simple. You can either listen to the guidance, the messages of guidance that you get, or you can, it doesn't have to be turn your back on it, you could ignore it. You could cloud it out. You could do something else to pretend that it's not there, but it's there. So you know what you need to let go of. Well, this is the huge theme, and this is why we include the word death, because letting go is death. If you become a non-smoker, then the smoker you has to die. That's figurative, right? And so the, the the putting cigarettes in your mouth that action has to die that that you have to let that go well one of the interesting things then about saturn going into scorpio at the end of the year is how it's going to culminate what it is that we need to let go of what is it that we need to let go of collectively? What is it? What is it? What is it? It's going to really be in there. And situations and events are going to make it very clear and apparent. As we get closer, I'll be able to talk in more detail about what those events are. But for right now, we're just going to say that certain specific events and situations are going to make it clear to us what it is that we need to let go of. How is that going to be easy for us? It's actually quite brilliant. Scorpio and Pisces are trine, which means the energy is very positive and has an easy flow. Neptune in Pisces, trine, Saturn and Scorpio, they're going to go in together. Neptune is going to do something what I call escort. It's going to go back to zero degrees Neptune so that it can escort Saturn into Scorpio in a positive way for me. That represents an intuitive knowing of what we need to let go of. Now, I just talked about how we always have that. We always have an intuitive connection to what it is that we need to let go of. But this is going to be deep. This is going to be intuitively we're going to let go. It's not just intuitively we're going to know what to let go of. We're going to intuitively know how to let go of it. It's very powerful. And that is going to represent an enormous culmination on this 2012 year. Uh, sure, it's going to be somewhat frightening for people because people have a hard time letting go. They like that status quo. But the year is so beautifully set up for it. It's so beautifully set up. 
as a process of getting more involved in maintenance, realizing what we need to buckle down and do, connecting with spirituality and transcending through compassion and empathy, reviewing our communication, hearing a higher calling for communicating about a compassionate nature, really reviewing the way we communicate, and then finally as we go into year-end, actually having an intuitive process of letting go individually and globally so that we can go on and continue to, you know, meet the higher calling that we have for 2013, 14, 15, because it's not going to stop. Things are going to change, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of change. You can't have a Uranian square Pluto transit for the next 10 years and not have that break down certain parts of the assumed power structure. But thank God for that. There's some really assumed power structure out there that's messed up. So we want to welcome 2012. We want to welcome 2012. We want to spend our time visualizing and meditating and sending energy out there to the higher source. So let's just take one minute, just one minute, to do that right now. And that one minute would be, I visualize the alleviation of suffering I send that out to the higher power. I visualize love and friendly smiles and friendship. I visualize charity and compassion. I don't want to hear about greed. I don't want to hear about selfishness. I want to hear about compassion. And I see it and I send it out there. I want to talk about and visualize love. I want to see it. What's that look like to you? Is it a smile? Is it someone giving you a hug? Is it forgiveness? Forgiveness. Let's feel that and send that out to the higher power. See that? We almost did a whole minute. And we use so much beautiful energy and reinforce what it is to actually be a part of the global community, and that is there's plenty of time for you to enjoy your individual life and make of it what it is that you want of it, what it is that you need of it. Plenty of time. You've got your goals. Make them happen. Find out how. But there's also a time for reconnecting with who we are as a global community and taking that time to send that energy back out to higher power so that it can redistribute the wealth. I definitely want to thank everyone for tuning in tonight. I want to invite you to please join in uh, next week. That will be Thursday at 8 p.m. Pacific and 11 p.m. Eastern. My name is Dr. Craig Martin, and I'm the host of the Inside Connection. Thank you.